an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined by a couple of wackadoos. It's Derek Brown and <laughs> Thor Nystrom. We have had a fun time the last 10 minutes getting ready for the show. I have no idea what to expect for the next hour. It will be a good time. That's about the only thing I can guarantee. And also that we will hit on some fun rookie comps. That is the show. It's the 2024 rookie class. We are running through comparisons from both Debro and Thor. For all the top guys, we're going to run through the top 15 in the expert consensus rankings. Uh, and then we might hit a couple rapid fire at the end if we've got time. Some interesting other names as well. Debro, what's your rookie prep been like so far to this point in the offseason? I mean, in between playing Geek Squad for Thor, it's been really interesting. But, I mean, I've I've found time to get through the film and get through all these guys. It's been a lot, man, like playing catch-up and stuff. But I love this time of year because walking into the evaluation process with fresh eyes, a lot of these guys, you know, with the bandwidth of the NFL, I don't have time to watch the college football. So I'm playing catch-up on all their games. I mean, I love it, man. This is a great time of year to be diving into rookies. Yeah, I love it, too. I love comps, Thor. Obviously, you've been watching all these players all throughout the college season, so you have a pretty deep well of knowledge here on these guys, uh, even before you get into your prep in the offseason, right? I sure do. Yeah. And I, I I feel compelled to respond to the slander that was just put out on, on the episode. Debra last night. So we're arguing about Trey Benson. I mean, what happens during draft season is Debra and I have a nightly call and we just argue about people. Debra yep. took so long going through the PFF ultimate filters to try to make a statistical argument that Trey Benson stinks. That I was there for like 10 minutes as he's like, just hold on one more second. <laughs> I've never seen all these different things with the filters and the different... It was unbelievable. He wants to say the thing about my camera, but the the PFF <laughs> Ultimate filters. We we need to get a tutorial for D Bro on that. I feel like I'm intruding on your guys' show, which is actually fitting because you guys just started a show just last week. Uh, It's the On the Dynasty feed. It is an NFL draft show that we will be going through the entirety of NFL draft season the next couple of months. Debra, what did you guys talk about in this last week's episode, which is just the second episode of the show? It's brand new. Yeah, man, we rolled through the polarizing players of this class, the top eight to ten players that really – when you start talking about this class, we begin the discussion with these guys like Keon Coleman and where does he go in the draft? What's his skill set? Why is he polarizing? So we tried to hit those guys as far as their draft profiles and the things that stuck out were really the, I mean, the first things that people are bringing up when they're talking about these guys. And look, I mean, we have the combine right here. I mean, it's, it's slowly, well, I should say slow. It's quickly peaking over the horizon. So next week, um, our show, we're going to be previewing the combine and hopefully we got some prop lines. And we're going to be diving into all of those too. Yeah, if, if the folks listening enjoy the banter between Debra and Thor here, just wait till I'm not even in the picture and they're kind of free <laughs> reign to do whatever they want on their own show. It's a, it's a fun time, but also 
and informative time, of course. Like I said, we are talking comps today. Everybody love comps. We're going to give you ours for the top incoming rookies in fantasy. We're going to sprinkle in some thoughts on landing spots and maybe some early projections for some of the top guys that they land in the areas we expect them to land. But it's largely going to be a comp-related show. I do want to also mention all of our early 2024 consensus rankings and tiers can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. You can also navigate from there to our staff rookie rankings on the site as well. And again, just caveat, we know a lot's going to change we've seen now in September when we talk about like projections and things like that. So this is just kind of a snapshot in time as we stand here in late February. Guys, let's start with the most important position in football. It's the quarterbacks. We're going to start with a guy who, based on if anybody listened to your first episode of your draft show, you guys might not agree. But the consensus number one here, Caleb Williams. Thor, I want to start with you. What's your comp for Caleb Williams out of USC? He's not the easiest guy to comp because uh, of the mm-hmm. the strengths, the weaknesses in his profile. But I, you know, to start out with, I totally disagree with the most ubiquitous one, Pat Mahomes, for reasons I've oh, gone into yeah. before. But it's different body types. It's different the way they play the position. Different. Uh, Caleb Williams uses his legs a little bit more. The the out of structure thing. That's the only thing that really fits there. And and some of the arm strength things. The the guy that I think he plays a ton like way more so than that is Aaron Rodgers, you know, using the legs to buy the different time. Caleb Williams last year, 3.16 seconds time to throw on average, nearly a full second above Bo Nix. Caleb Williams is the guy who is trying to buy the time back there, buy the time back there, and then let the receiver's routes break off. And now we're going to make a special play sort of, you know, off script, off platform. A lot of times for him when he's making the throw, I see a lot of Aaron Rodgers and Caleb Williams. Deaver, what about you? I mean, Thor did mention that Mahomes' comp is one that people have been seeing really for like the last year if you're fo- you've been following him in his career. Obviously, that's not a comp you really want to put on anybody given what Mahomes has been, but the stylistic stuff, Thor obviously disagrees. What do you think about it? Yeah, I disagree with the, the Mahomes' comp right now. And I want to throw this out here. If you've listened to the NFL Draft Show, you've listened to the quarterback episode, people think that I hate Caleb Williams because I have my QB3. All I'm doing is acknowledging the wider range of outcomes that most people are just going to gloss over. Because I don't hate the kid. He is crazy talented. And my comp is going to sit here and double down on that. He's right-handed Steve Young. So if you want to go back in the Wayback Machine, you want to go pull up some highlights on him. His ability off script, and I think that Caleb Williams, the rushing ability, some of that will translate. Now, is he going to be a guy that is five, 600 yards rushing year in, year out? I don't think that. I think he's probably going to settle in somewhere in the three to 400 range. Maybe we get a year where he get, he hits the 500 mark. But I think a lot of the things with Steve Young, who had a really good arm, had the ability to create players out of structure, had a little bit of rushing upside, but that wasn't like, you know, the hallmark of his game. That's exactly who I see when I watch Caleb. Yeah, Caleb's so interesting because it looked like he was kind of trying so hard to play like Superman this year, but he almost had to given the defense that he was playing with at USC and the talent around him was just, you know, a situation where he really had to try and elevate everybody around him uh, and, you know, to varying degrees of success. Now, Debro, this is one guy who we actually have a, do have a pretty good sense of what his landing spot will be. It seems like it's going to be Chicago, right? So if he's there, what kind of projection would you put on him for his rookie season in terms of fantasy? He'd be a mid QB one with upside to be a QB one in his, in his first season. A lot of that's going to come down to like, where's the passing rate? How, what is, you know, how much rushing equity do we get out of Caleb Williams? So a guy that maybe I'm a little bit lower, uh, as far as from fantasy 2024 ranks than consensus, but in dynasty, I mean, I'm still sky high on the guy. 
Thor, let's go to the next quarterback here. And it's not the name that it was at the beginning of the college season where the consensus number two is Drake May. We'll get to him in a bit. It's now Jaden Daniels in our expert consensus rankings who is higher in our rookie rankings out of LSU. Obviously, Heisman winner. What's your comp for Daniels? Yeah, so I was I was struggling with this one. Like, you know, I would <laughs> do the thing of like taller version of this guy or, you know, where you had that. But I like to do the comp with just the one guy, right? Like the, just the one thing. And Debro watched Jaden Daniels and told me what his comp was. And I immediately said, Debro can back this up. I'm stealing that. I, I, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I'll go, I'll lead the dance with what Debro's comp is, which I'm stealing is Randall Cunningham. I, I think, you know, in terms of the frame, when Cunningham was coming out of UNLV, very, very close. And then with, with Daniels, you have to find a guy that has the two superpowers that he does. Number one, he's a downfield assassin, uh, you know, both in terms of the arm strength, but the touch in particular um like just dropping the ball into buckets different stuff like that he always has the accuracy touch loft different stuff like that and then the scrambling ability uh when he gets out of the pocket the rushing utility uh he's not a guy who's you know Caleb Williams he uses his legs to to move around in the pocket try to buy extra time that's why the the time to throw is so elevated Daniel's a little bit different where he stays on the platform stays on the platform looking downfield admirably and he goes across the reads he's gotten really good at that Arizona State he stunk at that but now he's gotten really really good at going across the field whatever he'll wait until okay there's no one there he tucks and now he's out of the pocket in a blank he's in the second level in a blank and now he becomes a problem out of there but you had to find someone that melded the two things I think Randall Cunningham's perfect I can't think of a better one so kudos to Debra on that one Quickly, Thor, you've obviously watched Daniels for a number of years in college. For our listeners who maybe haven't listened to the Dynasty show, who haven't listened to your NFL draft show yet, can you speak just briefly to the evolution we've seen out of Daniels from where he was, you know, at ASU to where he was in winning the Heisman last year? It's a huge leap. It is. Yeah. So he was a guy, top 100 overall uh, recruit, consensus wise, that Herm Edwards, everybody knows him, you play to win the game, (laughs) viewed him as the savior for Arizona State. So they signed Jaden Daniels, brought him in and immediately gave him the starting job. And in his first year as a true freshman, this is five years ago, what you saw the athleticism and you saw some of this stuff as a passer. They did a lot to baby him that first year to try to keep him out of these scenarios of sitting back in the pocket and having to survey the field because he wasn't good at that. The game was going really fast for Jaden Daniels at that time. So they would try to manufacture looks for him as a thrower. Uh, A couple like the the development as a passer was the thing where it was sort of stagnating at Arizona State. Uh, I think contextually, you could argue that that was more of a coaching thing. Uh, because once he gets to LSU, uh, so this is two years ago now in 2022, Brian Kelly brings him in. His profile, Daniels, at that point, had dropped enough where nobody thought he was going to get drafted. The year before that, 2021, I think he had a 10 to 10 TDI and T rate. Like he really struggled. Again, the game was moving too fast for him. The first thing they did at LSU was we have to figure out a way to mitigate the times where you're putting the ball up for grabs. He, he was in 2021 was was way too reckless with it. They addressed that 2022. Like he had one of the, you know, you look at volume. He had one of the lower uh, turnover worthy play rates of any of the quarterbacks that had that volume at quarterback. And then last year where this thing got scary with Daniels is they, he kept that. So he wasn't putting the ball up for grabs, but he they started to generate explosive plays consistently while not putting the ball up for grabs. That was, they, they were a little bit more conservative with him in, in 2022. This is the year where he took off because he figured out how to meld that thing of 
being aggressive through the air, using that superpower of down the field, testing those windows down the field, different stuff like that, but only doing it when he had the best of it the one-on-one looks and, and different stuff like that. And there was a whole bunch of things LSU did to get him to this point. They used this simulator with him where he could see the defense. He could see, you know, his guys or whatever. And then who was blitzing and all the different coverage looks. And then he would have to identify in the video screen, which, which receiver he was going to or whatever. They ended up speeding that thing to double the speed this past year. So he was playing all the games in advance and fast forward. That's how much the game had slowed down for him before when it was too fast that's when the it was like this chain reaction thing where he'd start to get under duress, a panic kind of a thing. He would lose his mechanics. He would lose his whole decision-making process. His whole game would crater. That's what we were seeing at Arizona State where the, the skills weren't allowed to flower out. LSU specifically addressed that one by one, 2022, 2023. And all of a sudden, all of his natural skills played up. And that gives us a kid that we can, can comp to Randall Cunningham with a straight face. Yeah, Debra, obviously Thor mentioned that is your comp. What can you add to that? I think that in the other comp that I've seen floating out there about Jaden Daniels that I don't agree with is RG3. And I don't agree with it because we're talking about a guy that RG3, his first, and we know the career arc of RG3, what would have happened if he didn't get hurt and all those types of things. I think the biggest difference between those two quarterbacks is really what Thor just highlighted on and something I want to bring up as a point. You could take out all the rushing utility for Jane Daniels, and he still should be a top-end, the first-round quarterback based off the arm talent, based off of his ability to win from the pocket. And I think the level of quarterback play and the, and the ability to win from the pocket, like he doesn't even have to take off to be a special prospect. So for me, that's the difference between comping him to RG3 as a player that when some of the otherworldly athleticism got ticked down just a little bit, he was forced to be more of a pocket passer. That's where we saw his career go sideways versus Randall Cunningham. He answered all those questions and we saw top shelf passing utility from Cunningham in his career. So do you think Daniels is going second to the commanders or if somebody trades, but do you think he's going second ahead of Drake may who's we're going to talk about next? Yep. I think Daniels is, is should be. And if people are, you know, they're, Putting money in the betting markets right now, you're still getting plus money on Daniels in a lot of different spots to go second overall. Thor and I talked about that on the quarterback episode, and all we've seen, the the line has just slowly moved in Daniels' direction, and the closer we get to the NFL draft, it's going to continue to do that. I think we should just lock in Jane Daniels to Washington. He fits the prototype of what Cliff looks for for his offense and in a quarterback. So, Debra, let's go to that next player. It is Drake May out of UNC. Coming into the season, the consensus number two guy, maybe even like a 1A, 1B guy for a lot of people heading into the 2023 college season. So, Debra, what's your comp for May, who has now, in some eyes, including yours, fallen behind at least Daniels, if not more? Yeah, and and, and here's the thing. I don't dislike May. I think that May is a very good quarterback, and he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I question some of the ceiling because – I think two things in his tool bag get really overblown a little bit, and that's his ability to play off script. I think he can do it. I don't think that it's a superpower for him and his rushing utility. I heard the same things about, oh, he's going to be a rusher come out of UNC about Sam Howell. We didn't see that translate. Now, I know the athleticism is different between those two different quarterbacks, but I don't look at May as being a superb rusher at the next level or really being a superhero as far as his off-script ability. Now, where he shines is downfield. His deep ball is fantastic, and that's where my comp comes in, and I'm going to give a little bit extra context with this, is 
I don't think that this is the current iteration of this quarterback, but the early career version of Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford has evolved into an a better off-script player in the last few years where you see the changes in the arm angle. He's out there doing Mahomes type of stuff, um, throwing around defenders, no-look passes, all that kind of crazy stuff. I don't look at Drake May as having the ability to do that. So in the context of comping him to Stafford, I think we're looking at him as the Detroit Lions version of Stafford. That's a really interesting comp. It's not what I was expecting. What's your comp, Thor? I'm going with Carson Pence, which is a combination of Carson Palmer and Carson Wentz. I To Debro's point, what I absolutely agree with, I don't understand why people think that the rushing, quote-unquote, utility for Bay is, is going to translate. Sam Hall is a better runner than he is, and we've seen that that didn't, right? Like, I'm a little bit troubled that on the – and, you know, people try to give this as the benefit of the doubt when they're arguing for him – that he wasn't more effective on third downs. And there were so many preponderances of him then going out to try to scramble for it when he's not super, like you put his athleticism in, in the, the size package around that Carson Wentz uh, type phylum. The reason that I like, he's a better for sure thrower than Wentz, you know, including coming out. So that's, you know, closer maybe to a, a Palmer, but I, I don't think he's as good of a thrower as Carson Palmer was coming out of USC either. So for me, it's somewhere in between there. But I don't think the quote unquote rushing utility is going to translate whatsoever. And my concern with that is that's how he would manufacture some of these, you know, let's say a third and six conversion. I'm pulling it down and now I'm, I'm going to run for it, whatever. I, again, I don't think that that's going to translate. And it's a little bit troubling when a guy that that struggled when he was throwing in, in some of those different scenarios, a guy that I think uh, struggles a little bit under pressure. I'm, I'm not sure that that, you know, that part of his eval has been talked about enough. There's something I noticed on his tape where he speeds up his process. Sometimes he forgets about his feet. Sometimes it's not when the free rusher is about to hit him. He's speeding up those mechanics to try to get the ball out when he still would have time to square the shoulders to the target, get his feet set, everything like that. And, and, and you know, and, and have a legitimate follow through on that throw, which would tick up his accuracy. So for all those reasons, that's sort of where I'm at with Drake, man. Debra, let's go to the guy that you are the high man on, at least if you look at our staff rankings, QB two in the class for you. It's J.J. McCarthy. Now, again, I would encourage everybody to go check out D. and Thor's quarterbacks episode on the NFL Draft Show where they are able to dive a little bit deeper into these guys, particularly the really interesting conversation around McCarthy. But, D. who is your comp for the Michigan quarterback? So Thor and I are going to land on the same guy here. And the funny thing about this, we shared this story on the NFL Draft Show, is that we came to this same comp independently. Literally, we're talking at like midnight one night, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I love McCarthy. I love his ability to play off script. I think the athleticism is underrated. I think he's going to run a four or five. I think his rushing utility can play up in the NFL. I think he is going to get besmirched in the NFL draft process because people are going to continue to talk about the bad volume narratives that continue without context about Michigan, and we still see that today. But this is a long, long drawn out way for to say that Thor and I are in, in Congress together, holding hands, calling JJ McCarthy Rich Gannon at his apex. Now, Thor, do you have any particular landing spot you'd like to see McCarthy wind up in? You, you know I do. Uh, <laughs> I do. <know. laughs> coming to you guys from Minneapolis, and boy, would I like for for him to get down to the Vikings, or or more uh, realistically, the He's Vikings. He's not gonna last that long. He's not gonna last that to- long. 
probably gonna have to trade up over the Falcons to get to yeah. get that one done. I would love that. I think he's a great fit in KOC's uh, offense. And to to Debro's point about you know before it was it was hilarious because it was a couple weekends ago where I I went out and did this like live show or whatever. They kept pressing me on the the comp I was gonna give for McCarthy and. You know, I was more or less going through the the ones that I had heard that I didn't like, and then, but they they wouldn't let me go until I saw one, and and I wanted to be, you know, I, I like everyone knows I like McCarthy, but I wanted to be realistic with it, and not put a bonanza comp, and so that's why I said Rich Gannon. When Rich Gannon got good, that's that's you know I think a super realistic and fair uh, comparison for JJ McCarthy. It's just he's earlier, way earlier on that uh, developmental arc. Some of the stuff with Gannon, they didn't give him the opportunity initially. So it wasn't all Gannon's fault that it took a while longer for him to get that starting crack. But if he if Gannon had been on that developmental curve line of continuum, the age of 20, that's that's what I think McCarthy. The bonanza comp for McCarthy, I probably shouldn't even say this, uh, but this oh, is what I believe. It. Say it. The bonanza uh, comp for J.J. McCarthy is John Elway. That You don't Ooh. see guys that are this good uh, out of out of the pocket – off plat, you know, off platform, uh, making decisions under duress out there. You can move the pocket, the bootleg concepts like that, where the accuracy is so good down to the third level of the field, even on the outside of the opposite hash the other way. When this guy's throwing on the run, he will attempt throws that other guys don't have the vision to even see. And if they did, they wouldn't have the gumption to attempt it. Certainly wouldn't have the arm to do it. I, you look around the internet and people are like, oh, he, he doesn't have a strong arm. It's like, bro, you need to watch this film. This kid has a whip, an absolute whip that carries to when he, he's throwing on the run. So th- it, it becomes there, there's not a ton of dudes that you can comp him to. But that's why I think Gannon's a super realistic one. And the absolute apex bonanza ceiling would be Mr. Elway. I'm not sure what name I expected you to say, but it wasn't John Elway. So that is a really fun and uh, and spicy and, and ambitious comp for a guy that I did know, certainly, that you were you were a big fan of. Um, Debro, we do need to move off the quarterbacks here quickly. So just very briefly, I want to ask, McCarthy is the guy who it seems like of these four quarterbacks maybe has the best chance of getting in a pretty good landing spot for his rookie season. If he goes to Minnesota, he'll have Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison. If he goes to Atlanta, he'll have Drake London, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts. I mean, there's some pretty intriguing options in the range where it seems like McCarthy might go. Do you think he could have a pretty successful rookie season, even as a guy who wasn't asked to do that much at a lot of times at Michigan because Michigan was so good anyways and is so young? Could he still jump really hot right off the bat? Oh, yeah, man. Like If you're already practicing mock drafts and you're using the Fantasy Pros draft simulator, then McCarthy has to be a guy. If you're sitting in Superflex drafts right now for Dynasty, like he is he could be one of the best values on the board and he's going to drop somewhere in the mid late part of the first round, depending on where he goes right now. But I love McCarthy. I think that he offers supreme value based off of what his upside is and you i mean you hit the nail on the head worm like these are really freaking good landing spots like thor wants to see him in minnesota i think the best landing spot for him and the most realistic landing spot considering where they are in the draft and thor knows this because again the midnight texts but i I think he goes to the atlanta falcons and i think that they're going to trade up and go get him and we're going to be talking about after mccarthy lands with the falcons Drake London to the moon, Kyle Pitts to the moon. Maybe they get another wide receiver. It's going to be wheels up, man. I I just have one more thing to say. First off, I'm willing to help. If Kirk Cousins is listening to this right now, I'm willing to help you pack up the moving trucks and get you down to Atlanta. (laughs) 
I'll drive them down there. So then we take them off the board. We, we, we ship Kirk down there, but in, in, in all seriousness, a couple of contextual things to remember about JJ McCarthy, because people just look at the volume and if they haven't seen him play, they, they have situational assumptions about him because of it. JJ McCarthy, you look at third and long conversions going back the entire PFF charting history Last season, J.J. McCarthy converted on 48% of his third and longs. That was the third highest rate in PFF charting history for, for a quarterback. And then you just look at the, like the volume sets. You have to put them in the proper context. Uh, Brett Whitfield, our buddy, or Brett Whitefield, our buddy that, that put this out. Last year, first half passing attempts, if you take out screens, J.J. McCarthy had the most of the top four quarterbacks. Percentage of attempts on third and six, he was the highest. He was also obviously historically good at that. Uh, uh, percentage of pass attempts when you take out screens against top 25 defenses, he was way above the, the top four guys. It was almost at 50%. The next highest, Caleb Williams, 35. Drake May was 17.9%. Michigan trusted J.J. McCarthy greatly against the good defenses in the high leverage situations when it mattered. It's just J.J. McCarthy didn't play in half the fourth quarters because Mich- literally he didn't play in seven of the fourth quarters, take one snap because Michigan was up by 21 plus points. You can't uh, d- ding him on his evaluation because they were whipping people so bad in large part because of J.J. McCarthy. Preach. Yeah. Thor, you're uh, you're up there in Big Ten country. I went to Maryland, so we've definitely both seen plenty of McCarthy. I'm happy to uh, to have him not in the Big Ten anymore. Are we going to get to Talia Tagovailo on this episode? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. However, we are doing a Dynasty rookie mock draft uh, for later in the week with myself, Scott Bogman, and guest Cody Carpentier. And I was talking to our producer, John, and I was like, I might have to sneak Talia in there as a late pick in that mock draft. I mean, Big Ten's all-time leading passer, so what more could you possibly ask for out of a quarterback prospect? Exactly. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. We've got a great game on the slate tonight with Clippers and Thunder going head-to-head. OKC is laying two points at home. There's also the Knicks heading to Philly tonight. That's basically a pick Definitely a very fun NBA slate on the docket. However, you plan to bet that slate tonight Bet with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit wagering and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Guys, we went a little long in the quarterbacks. It's the most compelling position. It's a really, you know, every year it is, but particularly this year, just such a really interesting and fun and exciting class, really, to be optimistic about. That could also be said largely of the wide receiver class. This 
class is loaded. It is both top heavy and deep. There are great names everywhere you look. We will start with the obvious guy. It's Marvin Harrison Jr., another Big Ten guy who tortured Maryland, uh, you know, the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, out of Ohio State. Uh, obviously, the son, uh, you know, the Hall of Famer, Marvin Harrison. Thor, who's your comp for a guy that has, you know, we, I feel like we've been using this term a lot lately in the last couple of years. Bijan Robinson, generational running back. You know, Caleb Williams before the season, people were talking about his generation. Kyle Pitts, generational tight end. Marvin Harrison Jr. is another guy who has had the generational label thrown on him. It, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been a while now for him. He got, uh, in hindsight, just slightly overlooked in the recruiting process, which, you know, for his name, you're like, you know, he should have gone higher, whatever. But ever since then, he stepped on the field at Ohio State and it's been like, oh, God, you know, and, and he has been projected in this wide receiver one role for a while now. Uh, he's going to have to fight off Roma Dunze and Malik neighbors for that. Cause those guys are mega gods too. I mean, we basically have three wide receiver ones in one class. And if you stacked up the last five, six receiver class where these guys would be way, way up there in that aggregate list. I, I, I think I had the same process for this one as Debrel, where there's, there's one ubiquitous comp out there for, for uh, Marvin Harrison jr. And you're sort of t- watching them more and trying to come up with something else, but this, if it just fits so clean, I'm, I'm going shock and boring on this one. He's AJ Green. Uh, like it's it's yep. the same kind of a frame. Yep, yep, it's yep. the same kind of a game. It's the same way that he wins on the field. The utility in the NFL. I just think it's extremely similar. AJ Green obviously excelled immediately in the NFL. Marvin Harrison certainly is gonna as well. AJ Green for me. Debra, what do you think? Yeah, I mean we're we're hand holding. I just I tried to like kind of go back and forth like can I come up with another comp that I feel like fits better? Some of these guys we're going to talk about, like we've got some very interesting comps we're going to get through, but AJ green is, is Marvin Harrison jr. Man. Like he's got the entire skill set. He's Batman with the full utility belt. Like you want to see him stretch the field and burn a corner on a go route done. You want to see him win in the short area. You want to see him win based off a of route nuance and his ability to snap off at the top of the stem done. The only small knock on Marvin Harrison jr.'s game is he's not a huge yak threat. Like we're talking about a guy that that's only forced 14 missed tackles at Ohio state and only had 5.1 yards of the catch per reception. So those numbers are not great, but when you get open at all three levels of the field, you can stretch a defense. You can beat them short. You can beat them uh, in the intermediate and you have the size to be a red zone threat and the strength at the catch point doesn't freaking matter. Debra, let's let's put him in Arizona because that's the most yep. common landing spot in mock drafts. I mean, the, really, the only chance I think he doesn't go there is if the Patriots take him one pick before. But it seems like they're going to go quarterback. So let's put him in Arizona. Yep. He's wide receiver. What as a rookie? Uh, he's a top 15 guy, probably a low end wide receiver one. Like it's going to be him and Trey McBride. And I, I, I'm i with you, Worm. Like, I think Arizona is out of their freaking minds if they pass on him at four. I, I don't think New England There's goes no for way him at three. Do. There's no way. And he's going to land there. And we've seen Kyler have really top shelf seasons with the deep ball before. If he can revisit that and that comes back, Marvin Harrison's going to absolutely just explode. He'll be a wide receiver one in fantasy year one. We mentioned that there are two other wide receiver ones in this class, essentially. Yep. They just happen to be in the same class as Marvin Harrison Jr. Deeper, I'll start with you on Malik Neighbors, who I think the, <laughs> I've most often seen as wide receiver two behind Harrison. There are definitely people out there who like Adunze better, and I'll be curious to get Thor's opinion on that in a second. But Neighbors is the guy that's most common, been sort of the 1B to Harrison's 1A. What's the comp for Neighbors, and how close is he to Marvin Harrison Jr., Debro? They're the same tier for me. I mean, literally, like, I could make you a really good case that neighbors should be ranked over Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, 
I'm struggling not to make him my wide receiver one in this class. I freaking love neighbors. And when I turned on the tape for neighbors and it's not the LSU Jersey. So let's, let's get this straight people. It is not the LSU Jersey. And I think Thor and I share the same comp for this guy. He's Jamar chase 2.0, man. You look at the size, you look at the frame, you look at the strength, both at the catch point after the catch, the ability to, to do so many different things. Like you, he's too strong. You can't press him off the line. You can push him off routes. He's strong at the catch point. And one of the crazy clips out of neighbors, like his entire film extravaganza from 2023 is he's not, he, his short area agility and his zero to 60 ability to ramp up his speed is so special. There was one rep and I forget who the heck they were playing. He goes to, to beat a corner on a double move. The corner stays with him and, and fantastic coverage and I'm like, oh, okay. And a lot of times a guy runs a double move and the corner hangs with him and you're like, okay, well, it's over. Corner's going to be in his back pocket. He's probably going to contest him at the catch point. Maybe the guy comes down with it or not. Neighbors looks at the guy like as they're running side by side, the corner hangs with him for the double move. So he doesn't beat him that way. Neighbors just turns on the freaking jets and scorches the guy, runs past him on a go route. And I'm like, oh my Lord, baby, we are off to the races. So neighbors is the one B of this class. And this is no shade on Rome. I love Rome. Those top three guys, I don't really care. Rank them however the heck you want to rank them because they are all future alphas. They are wide receiver ones from the moment they step into the NFL. So Dero, but before we go to Thor, I just want to ask you on a landing spot for neighbors. Again, Fairly not quite as common as Harrison to Arizona, but neighbors to L.A. is a common one. There is a lot of talk about the Chargers going with an offensive tackle instead. I think L.A. is probably the best case landing spot in the range neighbors is looking at outside of Arizona, like if Harrison goes earlier. Um, I think I think the Chargers are probably the best spot, but they now have Greg Roman as offensive coordinator, likely going to be very run heavy given his past. You're tied with Justin Herbert, which is awesome, but maybe the offense. I mean, what would you what would you make of Neighbors as a rookie again? Where would you kind of rank him if he were to end up in L.A.? Oh, in L.A., man, like that that would start the entire cascade of are the Chargers going to be as run heavy as we think they're going to be? And the ability that Justin Herbert has as a deep ball passer could get ramped up even farther. I mean, Neighbors, again, we're talking about all these guys. Right now, regardless of landing spot right now, just based off of talent alone, and that's what I care about when I'm watching these guys, all three of these top wide receivers will probably be top 20 wide receivers in my 2024 ranks. And people could say that's spicy. People could say that's you're too drunk on the rookies. Go back and look at the rookies at like the last three to four years, five years, six years. We consistently as an industry rank these guys too low. I consider and tell you about Jamar Chase. I remember a time where people said he couldn't even catch a football in the NFL because it had stripes on it. So I don't care about that, man. I'm going to follow talent. And all three of these guys are going to be top 20 wide receivers. for I, me. I actually think I'd be more surprised if that wasn't the case than if it was, they're all that yes. good. And we, we've just seen wide receivers, you know, assimilate to the NFL easier than ever these days. Thor, I want to get your comp on neighbors. I also want to hear sort of how you differentiate between neighbors and a dunes in your rankings. Yeah, I uh, with with neighbors, I you know I, I have the same comp as Debra, and you know I it's another one where you're watching it, you're like I don't want to do this because it's the jersey, right? Like I don't want to, you know, we just had this stud come out of LSU, and then but like it's 
too similar not to. I like I tried and tried to come up with a different one, but it's like they have the same body. Uh, they're going to test extremely similarly. And then the the high level traits, it's very similar as well. And it's like you're trying to think of a guy that would fit uh, better or, you know, what. But I just I couldn't I couldn't get there for for me. It's Jamar Chase for Malik Neighbors. Uh, the ability Debro was talking about like the acceleration out of the, the route breaks, whatnot. He seems to accelerate into changing direction, different stuff like that. He, he also neighbors has this extremely unique thing where when he's running, even at top speed, he, his upper body, he doesn't chug the arms like other guys. So it, it becomes more difficult for the defensive back to denote, like, when is this guy going to stop the route break and also to gauge exactly how fast he's going because you don't get those tells from his upper body. I, you know, I don't know if that's something he worked on or if that's just the natural way he runs. But like the during his route running process, that he sort of keeps the arms down here and he's still moving at the, this hyper speed, whatever. You see him consistently, you know, running off the, the shuck cornerback and then beating the safety deep because they are inaccurately gauging how fast he's moving. I, I think in part because of that. But yeah, overall, you, you look at the games. Jamar Chase is just it, it, it's very similar there. I'm going to throw a little bit of sauce on this. And I, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me or hate this Thor. I think neighbors is a better as a prospect where they're at when they came out. I think neighbors is a better route runner than chase was. I could see that. I could see that for sure. You know, and, and you got to keep in mind people out there, Jamar chase didn't play his last year. That was the COVID thing. He opted out, whatnot. Malik neighbors has, has had more reps. He's seen more things than, than chase have more time to work on it. And maybe even naturally. So as well, like Jamar chase is so good at the catch point. He's better at the catch point than neighbors is, but I, I agree the route running thing for sure. And a part of that could be natural. Part of that could just be, has had more reps at this point. So based on the way you're talking, I'm assuming a dunes is third for you behind neighbors than Thor. I still haven't finalized that. The there's so those guys are all literally elite. You know, like you don't see guys like this in every class and at, at this position. And we get three of them in one class. It's just like different, right? Like you know, Harrison is is the one thing. It's like sort of your prototype and all that sort of stuff. Uh, uh, Malik Neighbors is the Ferrari guy. You know, and and the way the NFL is moving, that could make him more attractive. Just the speed and the ability to get the separation every single time. A Dunze is like sort of a blend, right? Like he's a bigger receiver. Play strength is awesome. Does not get the credit that he deserves. You know, you go through into his cutups, whatnot for the release package. He has this kid. So you, you look at the stats last year uh, versus press coverage. This is only 2023. Roma Dunze, 281 snaps against press coverage. Uh, Harrison had 173 neighbors at 161 uh, Brian Thomas 168 th- th- there's not another guy that has over 200 and Adunze had almost 300 but yet no one was sticking him off the line because you, you, you're not really going to do that the only thing opponents could try to do to throw off the timing uh Debra and I have talked about how Michael Penix is a see it throw it uh, kind of a guy he's not an anticipatory thrower that was what opponents tried to do to screw up the timing of the Washington offense. It's like, we got to try to mug Adunze off the line. Didn't really work. Adunze had uh, 92 catches last year. 87 of them went for a first down or a touchdown. (laughs) Only five of them did not. Like this, this guy is absolutely ludicrous. And the other thing he doesn't get enough credit for is his athletic profile overall. I mean, I, I can tell you guys this from getting some of this stuff in the preseason over the summer, so there's two different scouting services for the NFL. NFS is one of them. 
NFS had a second round grade on a Dunze, which was disrespectful, but not quite as disrespectful as Blesto's uh, grade for a Dunze over the summer, which is a third round grade. Aww. And I think where they got there was not giving him the credit for the athletic testing profile. We have heard some rumors about Odunze's testing, which is going to blow people's socks off if he gets all the way there. Even if he only gets, you know, 90% of the way there of of some of these different things, uh, the rumors of of some of these different testing, it's going to blow people's socks off. The comp that I ended up, you know, Odunze is another guy where the disparate traits and stuff like that, you could go a couple different directions. I, I, so what I ended up doing, I plugged Odunze, some of the rumored tests into the thing. And I was even conservative. Like there, there's a rumor out there that he has run four, three, six, or he does in training. I put it at a four, four flat, you know, the, the vertical, I even ticked down an inch or two. The top comp that Raz spit out at me when I put this into the, you know, calculate card was um, immediately, I was like, I'm, that's my comp. It's Julio Jones. It, it, it's, it's the same thing with the play strength, the same thing with the ball skills and a guy that when he was coming out, before he tested i'm not sure he got the full uh credit that he deserved for for his athleticism but then once he tested it's like okay and and, and i think there's a lot of similarities with that so julio jones for roma dunze so what i'm hearing is that this is the 2011 draft with aj green and julio jones only we also yeah. have a jamar yeah. chase in there yeah, as exactly. well uh Dero, quickly what's your comp for dunze my comp i'm again i feel like i'm going in the wayback machine for these but his play strength and his deep ball tracking are just fantastic. I don't think people give him enough credit as a run after the catch guy and his yak ability and strength there. We're talking about a guy that literally he was tied for 25th in missed tackles force last year with a guy that literally builds his entire game off of breaking tackles and yak in Malachi Corley. So to put some respect on a Dunze's name as far as how well he could break tackles, the strength through his routes and at the catch point. My comp for Roma Dunze is Terrell Owens. Love it. Man. <laughs> Man. Uh, if you guys, These guys are, any- are that stinking good, Worm. Yeah. They really are. No, no, I, I, I believe it's a really, really fun, exciting class. And we've got like five more wide receiver names to get to that are also exciting in their own way. But those three, you know, really, really stand apart. Uh, before we get to that, if you guys are anything like me, you have had plenty of terrible experiences buying tickets i've been to so many games over the years where the ticket buying experience was so bad i almost just didn't bother even going to the game hidden fees that raise prices by obscene amounts not to mention you can't even tell if you can trust the seller how good the views are from the seats and of course there are never any available deals to make it just a little more affordable thankfully game time is here to solve those problems you shouldn't have to worry when buying tickets and with killer last minute deals all in prices views from your seat and their best price guarantee game GameTime takes the guesswork out of the ticket buying process. I'm on, I was on the app earlier and it stands out just how easy it is to navigate. The ticket buying experience is smooth. It's immediately clear which tickets are the cheapest and where exactly those seats are. And at the top of the screen, I can see flash deals to make sure I'm getting the best absolute price. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. And it's so simple. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code F-A-N-T-A-S-Y-P-R-O-S for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Right now, I want to take some time to celebrate our everyday champions, our cars. Thanks to eBay Motors, we're keeping our rides running as smoothly as our fantasy teams. Our cars are more than just vehicles. They're partners in our daily hustle. They're there for the early morning commutes, the weekend getaways, and every crucial errand in between. Remember those times your car was the MVP, getting you to that important meeting or helping you make a last-minute pickup? Just like the right player in fantasy football, the right car makes all the difference in our daily game of life. The dependability a car provides is one of the cornerstones of our daily lives, which is why it's so important to maintain our vehicles the way we maintain our fantasy teams. Just like a well-managed fantasy team, maintaining your car requires strategy and foresight. It's all about knowing when to make those crucial upgrades or timely repairs. Ever experience the triumph of a DIY fix on your car? That perfect moment when everything comes together and your vehicle runs as smoothly as planned? That's what eBay Motors brings to the table. Ensuring each part you choose is not just a temporary solution, but a perfect fit for your car's needs. Speaking of perfect fits, whether it's choosing the right fantasy player or finding the ideal part for your car, the right fit can make your day. There's a unique satisfaction when everything falls into place, be it a winning fantasy lineup or a car part that enhances your ride. That's why eBay Motors is dedicated to making sure you get that perfect fit every time. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Guys, let's get to another LSU receiver who... Kind of, I don't want to say consensus wide receiver four, but I think the most often wide receiver four, if you look, you know, kind of throughout the uh, mock drafts going around right now, but really you can make a case for a handful of the next couple of guys. Obviously, we're going to talk about Brian Thomas Jr. here. So, Thor, I want to start mm-hmm. with you. What's your comp for this other LSU receiver? Yeah, a guy that came out of the SEC a couple of years ago, George Pickens. I Just like George Pickens, I, I think it's pretty clean for Brian Thomas to be a good number two receiver. I don't see the number one receiver utility, the downfield stuff, different stuff like that, forcing the defense to keep safety help over on that side. That's what I see for Brian Thomas, a really good complimentary guy at the next level. Debra, what do you think? 
I'm lower on Brian Thomas than probably most people. I think he's a trait-based prospect. I think he has a limited route tree. Like if you're watching Thomas, you're seeing a lot of stop routes, a lot of go routes, and a lot of fades. And there's not a ton of in-breakers and things to his game. The 4-4 speed and his ability to stretch the field is absolutely legitimate. But I'm lower on him. I think he's a more limited player than people give him credit for. Because also, he's not a yak threat at his size and stuff. He doesn't break tackles. The guy that I'm comping him to, um, and this might you know hurt people's feelings, is Tyrell Williams. Okay, well, let's go to the next wide receiver then, since not as much enthusiasm with Thomas. Keon Coleman, a guy who is just a highlight reel waiting to happen this season, but also was kind of reliant on those highlight reel plays and maybe not the, you know, the play-to-play success that you might have wanted out of a receiver. Deeper, I'll start with you on Coleman. What's your comp for him out of Florida State? Man, I, you want to talk about this? This unfortunately isn't going to be um, a highlight reel uh, type of comp. Um, I think he's poor man's Kenny Galladay. Um it's all at the catch point. And I think a lot of the highlight reel stuff was forced because he's not that good of a route runner and he's not that good of a separator. And if you marry all this to his analytical profile, Keon Coleman scares me. Like I, I do not have a first round grade on him. I will not have a first round grade on him. I mean, over the last two years, guys, he is not ranked higher than 72nd in yards per route run PFF receiving grade or yak per reception in either year. So Keon Coleman, I think that he is going to test extremely well, especially in the vert, probably in the 40. He's going to run decent, but I'm not that high on him. I think that he has a lot of things as far as playing the wide receiver position from a route running perspective that he really has to improve on. Thor, I think Coleman was one of the guys you guys talked about as a polarizing player in this year's class. What do you make of Mm -hmm. him and what's your comp? Yeah, it's it's tough because the the situation got away from them in November between a, a Keon Coleman himself got hurt and then Jordan Travis a, a week or two later broke his ankle and because of that Keon Coleman's November was not good. The the uh, quarterback play at at the the end there those last couple of games for Florida State was horrible, unforgivable. Uh, they didn't have a backup quarterback when Jordan Travis went down. So there was all these Aaron throws at Keon Coleman. 30-plus uh, targets for Keon Coleman last year were charted as uncatchable. So the the quarterback play just really wasn't there. He got forced the ball a lot. I do agree with Debro about the route running needs to improve, but you do have utility. He's got really good hands. He has really good ball skills. And he has that bouncy athleticism. You know, he, he's a former basketball player to the bouncy thing. He can clearly leap, you know, not only for the high point stuff and, the, you know, down the field, whatnot. He hurdles guys on the field. So, like, it's sort of the north-south and the springy thing. The agility is the thing that's never going to get there, you know, as far as his his profile. That's why he needs to work a little bit more on the route and, and not sort of just telegraphing what, what's going to go on with that. I think that would get him out of some of these contested uh, catch situations. But you do have to give him. He is fabulous in contested uh, uh, scenarios. I he's I got to go with like a discount one as well. To to me, he's discount T Higgins. There's a, the the frame is the same. I think they're going to test similarly. T Higgins was consistent throughout his career at Clemson, though. Whereas Keon Coleman, and whether you want to, you know, people argue it's context because of the quarterback player at Michigan State before that. That some people argue, you know, the the other way, whatnot. But for me, it's it's inconsistent T Higgins. You're also being very kind to Jordan Travis and all of that. He's part of the problem, too. He's he's not good at ball placement. Florida State fans are going to come for you, D-Bro. I don't care. Let so, so D-Bro, what would you think about, I mean, obviously any number of these guys could go to the Chiefs at the end of the first because they clearly need a receiver. 
What would you think about pairing him with somebody like Mahomes, whose ball placement is going to be excellent, obviously, compared to anybody, you know, let alone a guy like, you know, in college? Do you think that would maybe raise Coleman in your estimation if he was paired with a guy like Mahomes, or there's just not enough there to work with? To me, the skills are not enough there to work with. Now, you want to talk about who who do I want to see in Kansas City as far as being the guy to pair with Mahomes? It's the next guy on the docket here, like Troy Franklin. I'm extremely high on Troy Franklin. My comp for him is Robbie Chosen, a.k.a. Robbie Anderson, uh, but with really good route running chops. Troy Franklin's route running gets so, so dinged, and I don't understand it. Like, people talk about... The, okay, the hands and drops and things like that, ball tracking, he's got things to work on there. But as far as his route running chops and his ability to accelerate in short areas is so freaking special. Like, he varies tempo on and, and the pacing in his routes because he can go from zero to 60 like that. There are times where he'll slow-mo guys like with a short or exaggerated step on a route and then all of a sudden just pew, shot out of a cannon, dude. I love Troy Franklin. I have a first round grade on him. I think if he cleans up the, as far as the tracking stuff and the, and the drops and stuff, I think Troy Franklin is his ceiling is extremely high. He's one of the guys that I'm, I'm going to be above consensus as far as this class goes, because I think that he doesn't get enough love. Everybody talks about his speed, but he does not get enough love for his short area agility and his route running. I'm actually right there. I love Troy Franklin a lot. Um, I think he's so a great good. fit for a lot of these teams at the end of the first. I would love to see him in Baltimore. There's a number of guys I would love to see put, Ravens put take at the Buffalo. end of the first. He'd be the better Buffalo version is of a Gabe great Davis, one as well. Baby. Absolutely. I, I like that jump. Franklin has gotten better every year. I, I'm I'm a big fan of his uh, as well. Thor, what's your comp on Franklin? And again, yeah, out, of, Fra- out of Oregon. Yeah, Franklin, shade under uh, 6'2", 179, 4'3", speed. Oh, I'm not talking about Frank. I'm talking about Jamison Williams. That's <laughs> who I comp him to. I, I think it's very, very similar. You have the speed thing. You have a guy where if you lead him into space, you hit him on the hands in the shorter intermediate route, watch him go. He's going to run by people. And then you have some of the utility down the field as well because of that athleticism. Absolutely a guy, even though he's under 180, that can play on the boundary. We saw him excel there. He is the uh, the smaller, skinny version of what Mike Evans was to Johnny Menzel at Texas A&M, a mm-hmm. guy that, that poured so much uh, productivity onto Bo Nix's uh, evaluation and statistical profile. Troy Franklin's pretty good. Jamison Williams, that, that's why I, I see in him. He is a double move demon. Like watching that guy just destroy people with double moves is a treat. So, Debra, let's put him, let's say he goes to any of Kansas City, Baltimore, Buffalo, getting paired with an MVP level quarterback. What kind of rookie year are you expecting out of Franklin? He will be a wide receiver three for me with wide receiver two upside. And just to put more respect on him, he is my wide receiver four in this class right now. Wow, I, I can't argue with that. I, I like I said, I really like Franklin. I love um, Franklin. Let's go to let's go to. I'm going to loop these guys together. Uh, a couple of Texas wide receivers, Ad Mitchell and Xavier Worthy. Thor, I'll let you kind of pick which one you're you're more interested in. But Mitchell and Worthy, uh, you know, who do you like better? Definitely like Worthy more. Uh, oh, yeah. Worthy, uh, I I ended up comping him to Tank Dell, a guy that I loved in the last <laughs> process. I I think Tank Dell's hands are a little bit better. It's the only thing that I nitpick about Worthy. Um, Worthy gets separation just so easy. It doesn't matter what sector of the field, uh, you know, it's at. He he's creating the separation, and despite being super duper skinny, is what was the last thing I got on him? One sixty five. 
something like that, even though he, he's a little over six foot. So, you know, and how some of the weights, like some of the weights in Texas and some of them have been reported have put him in the one seventy. So we're, we're, I'm curious where he's going to weigh in at just to throw it out there. Yeah. And hopefully he gets a little more fortified, but it's the same sort of a deal, right? Wherever you put him on the formation, hard to get him off the line. And then he's going to create the separation. It's just, there's, there still remains some inconsistencies with the hands. Uh, you know, outside of the frame, different stuff like that. It's not 100% conversion, even if he's open, different stuff like that. Uh, Debro thinks some of that stuff is a little overblown, but that that's where I I'm do. at. It. You know, Tank Dell around that phylum. As far as uh, AD Mitchell, my, my comp on AD Mitchell is if Nikhil Harry and Kevin White had a child, and then that child had a child with Cody Latimer and Braylon Edwards' child. And then that oh newborn God. at the age of 12 started to get private instruction from Terrace Marshall Jr. That would be A.D. Mitchell. Uh, in all seriousness, I, I comp him to A.D. Mitchell to A.T. Uh, Perry from the last class. Just, just trying to get one guy. Th- that's where I think he is. I, I think people go a little bit overboard with A.D. Mitchell. Uh, you know, like at Georgia, he tried to get involved. They, they don't throw as much, whatnot. But then he comes to Texas. Last year, they were pounding all the targets at Worthy and not Mitchell. You have some of the utility down the field, you know, different stuff like that with a guy like that. But so many dudes like that have busted coming to the NFL. I don't like his agility at all. So it's sort of like, uh, you know, it's on, along the same lines of continuum as like a Brian Thomas. But I, I just don't think he's quite that good or quite that athletic. So that's where I go with him. And Debro, based on your rankings, you are in strong agreement with Worthy over Mitchell, right? I freaking love Worthy. I think he, he is he's my wide receiver five right behind Troy Franklin. I, I just think that, again, a guy that everybody, the first thing they talk about is the speed. But the first thing you really should be talking about when you talk about Xavier Worthy is the route running. So I love the tank Dell comp. Uh, mine right now is Deshaun Jackson. I think the speed plays up. I think that he's actually a more refined version of Deshaun Jackson. As Deshaun Jackson, everybody looked at as being a lid lifter. He could do some other things as far as short and intermediate. I look at Xavier Worthy. He has that same lid lifting ability, but his abilities as a route runner are are surpassing Deshaun Jackson. So as far as the, the nuance he adds to, to his routes and puts cornerbacks in a freaking blender. I love worthy. And I, I'll, I'll double down on Thor as far as the Mitchell stuff. Like I'm out of Mitchell. Like I don't any of the buzz for the first round. I do not understand it. I mean, we're talking about a, a prospect that legit never posted better than 1.7 yards per route run in college at all. He is way overblown. I do not think that he tests like out the gym. I think that people look at him as a trait based guy and I'm sitting here like, what trait are you are, are you latching on to? What is this special Superman trait out of his entire bag of skills that he has that you're just in love with? The route running's not great. He's not blowing past you with a four three or four four forty. His I mean, his short area he probably tests okay. So for me, Mitchell. My comp for him is garage sale Josh Reynolds, and that's probably besmirching to Josh Reynolds, to be honest. Wow. Yeah, you guys are definitely both lower on Mitchell than for some of the consensus. Maybe not consensus, but again, a lot of the, the folks out there I've definitely heard higher on him. So that's really interesting to hear. Um, before we get to the running backs, I want to mention if you need new tires for your car, Discount Tire is your go 
too. They have exceptional service, and you get a 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. They have this really cool feature called Treadwell, which is an online tire buying guide that gives you transparency on tire performance, as well as personalized recommendations based on your location and driving habits. Discount Tire is also the largest independent tire retailer in the country, so it has the biggest selection of tires and wheels. And here's a pro tip from the experts at Discount Tire. You can prevent wear and boost gas mileage by keeping your tires properly inflated. Tire pressure supports the weight of your vehicle and is important to check for safety. So if it's been over a month since you last checked your tire pressure, stop by one of their local stores for a free tire safety and air pressure check. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. Guys, we've gotten through the bulk of the class already because it is so strong at, you know, both quarterback but also really wide receiver. There's not as many running backs in the top 15, so we've only got a couple to hit on here. And it's one of those classes where you really feel like there will be guys that are productive, but it's really hard to tell who it's going to be. Like landing spot is going to be so critical for a lot of these running backs who there's a lot of guys who can fill a role, but maybe not be, you know, everything all at once, you know, as an RB1. But we'll see. Maybe you guys disagree with that. Uh, Let's talk about a third straight Texas player here, Jonathan Brooks. If he wasn't hurt, I think maybe would be the the more consensus RB1 in the class. He might even be that already. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, Debra, I'll start with you here. Brooks, what comp do you put on him? Uh, so Jonathan Brooks, even with the ACL, was my RB1 in the class. And I understand the concerns with that. But, I mean, looking at skill set and the overall, just the prospect profile, that's why he's my RB1. And I understand, like, you know, maybe that dings his rookie season, he loses a year and stuff, and we we need to factor that. But Jonathan Brooks, I think that he's a workhorse back. I mean, we're looking at a guy that last year in six of his 10 full games at Texas, he had 20 or more carries and he can handle the volume. He has a muscular build. He has nimble feet, especially for his size. And I think where his special sauce, man, is like his contact balance is so freaking good. He, 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 the way he strings together moves is awesome. He's so smooth. And I've watched multiple runs where his leg drive and his contact balance, one guy will contact him like five yards down the field and he'll keep churning his legs and gain another 10 to 12 yards after the fact when he's not even fully got his legs up underneath him. And he continually does that. He earns every blade of grass, my comp for him, and as well as adding some of the pass game utility because I don't think that he's a special pass catcher or anything like that, but he's got soft hands. I think there's a little more upside than when we saw Texas there in the NFL. My comp for him is Melvin Gordon. Okay, and Thor, uh, you know, so our, our fans pros experts, Erickson has Brooks RB1. Debro just said he has Brooks RB1. Fitz has got him RB2. Do you know where you're going to have him in your rankings here yet, Thor? Apparently low man on the totem pole. Uh, he, right scene. now he's, he's not scene. in my, my top two. Oh, probably be around three. You know, three, mm-hmm. four, something like that. Uh, I want to see what the the medical stuff is. You know, I, I'd like to see that he gets a, a clean bill of health. I, I don't love my comp for him, but it's the best I got right now. You know, you're looking for a guy similar size that doesn't have any elite athletic traits, but is like solid and all those that can also like his game sort of like that too, where he's like, you know, good at a lot of things, but not great, except arguably the, the contact balancing, but including the receiving utility. This is a kid that pass blocks for sure, and he is good at it, and he's also a strong receiver. So the the guy I came up with for him is Sony Michelle, um, you know, a guy coming out that you know again wasn't a freak athlete, but he had a lot, you know, good traits, and he was skilled in terms of the pass game utility as well. And obviously that ended up leading to him going a bit higher in the draft. But that, I, I see some of Sony Michelle and Jonathan Brooks. So so I, I want to 
I want to give a little bit of context where I'm going to ask you a question here, Thor, because people are going to, I'm not going to say people are going to hate the Sony Michelle comp, but I need to ask you this. Are you talking about Sony Michelle? Because these are very different cats. Sony Michelle in the NFL, or are we talking about Sony Michelle, that type of level prospect coming out of Georgia? Because the Sony Michelle we saw in the NFL was not the Sony Michelle we saw at Georgia. Yeah, coming out of Georgia. Yeah, okay. that you know, in the, terms of the valuation with that and the things that that you've seen on the field there, um, you know, obviously the NFL, other things happen there, right? And then you know, some of the injury stuff, maybe that that works for the comp as well. But yeah, definitely as far as the profile coming out of college. So the other running back we want to talk about that's in the top 15 of the consensus rankings is Trey Benson out of Florida State. Thor, I'll start with you here. What are your thoughts on Benson and what's your comp? This Well, Debro and I... I we don't dis- hate him. Don't start yeah. with me. I don't hate him. Debro <laughs> and I have start. argued. We've argued so much about Trey Benson. But uh, strangely enough, we did end up coming to a consensus on his comp when, when we were started talking it through. Because I was looking for a guy, looking for a guy, and like... He Trey Benson in his own way is a difficult guy to come because his first two years in college, he was at Oregon. You didn't see him because he had this catastrophic injury uh, when he was on the scout team at the very end of his true freshman year, his knee ligaments, hamstring, like a whole bunch of different stuff. We didn't really see him as a sophomore because of that at Oregon. But then in his uh, true junior season in 2022 at Florida State, he broke the PFF charting record for uh, missed tackles forced rate. He was the only guy that they had ever charted that broke more than more tackles than were, uh, you know, like uh, over 50%, right? So he was breaking more than, than half the tackle attempts that, that were that were made to him, whatever. But he also, in this class, he might be the top speed, size, combination guy. So you have some of those things going in, in conjunction. He also shows some re- receiving chops as well. What, what I ended up going with for him was Ryan Matthews. Uh, a guy coming out where it was the same sort of angular upright runner. He has the the long speed as well, can break some tackles as well. That that was an area of, of Benson's game that fell off a bit last year. That's where his eval becomes tough because if he had just been on the same trajectory that you've seen in 2022 into 2023 and, and there were some uh, improvements built upon there, then I, I don't think there's any question he would be RB1 in this class. But because some of that stuff regressed, you can argue it was context. You can argue it was Mike Norvell usage. You can argue a whole bunch of things, but it is what it is. That's where some of this cloudiness comes into his eval. He's also a guy you need uh, the clean medicals coming back on him. And then you have to parse the other stuff. But I, I think Ryan Matthews is a pretty fair comp. That's a really interesting one to me. Debra, what do you think about that comp and who would your guy be? I I love that comp. Thor and I were talking about it actually last night, um, you know, in prep for this show. And I was back and forth. I hated my comp for Trey Benson because, again, he's a tough guy to comp. If you look at the size, speed stuff, he's got the long speed. I question what his 10-yard spit and uh, split and 20-yard shuttle was going to be um, looking at those types of things. And I thought the Ryan Matthews uh, comp, from a play style perspective as well as testing and how we think he's going to run, like I think he's going to run as a 4-4 guy. If he cuts a little bit of weight, he might get into the high 4-3s. That would not shock me. The guy has afterburners. I question early in the play, like if you can get him, contact him behind the line and stuff and get him before he gets ahead of steam or if the blocking falls apart, he's not a guy that I look at can can create uh, as many yards on on his own as some of the other backs in this class. And you look at Ryan Matthews, his 20-yard shuttle was a 33rd percentile, although he ran a 43740. So I think Ryan Matthews comp, as well as some of the pass game utility upside, is perfect. 
He's not the only tight end that is worth, you know, talking about in general, but the only tight end in the top 15 is, of course, Brock Bowers. So he's the only one we're going to put a comp on here today. Debro, I'll start with you. And, and Bowers is, you know, the consensus, like best tight end, at least since Kyle Pitts, strictly as a prospect, you know, depending on who you ask, since going back even further, uh, just dominated at Georgia basically from the day he stepped on, stepped onto the field. Uh, what's, you know, maybe a little undersized, but what's your comp for Bowers? Now, I know that the pictures have been circling since like the Super Bowl of, of Brock Bowers, and he might look like one of the athletic trainers at Planet Fitness, but this dude is going to test out of the freaking gym. He is fantastic. I There's no other guy that I could comp to him as far as like size, speed, the ability to block um, both in the run game and the pass game. I don't think he's on the same level yet as this guy, but he's going to hit the the NFL with all cylinders going. It's George Kittle, man. That that is a really fun one, Thor. Uh, what do you think about that comp? Would you pick anybody else there, or agree with Kittle? But no, th- this is it's it's the chalk one. But th- th- I, right. I'm not sure that there's one in the entire draft that fits cleaner than this. Kittle yep. coming out of Iowa, six four, two forty seven. Bowers is going to measure in just about exactly at that. And mm-hmm. then Kittle had the four five two. 40 yard dash and Bowers is going to be right around there as well. Kittle also 98th percentile broad jump, 73rd percentile vertical jump. If we get all those tests out of Bowers, you're going to see a very similar sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, Bowers is a bit more skilled, but actually not even, I'll go further than that. Objectively more skilled as a receiver than Kittle was coming out. Part of that was contextual. You know, Georgia was, was using uh, Bowers in high leverage situations going back a couple of years. Whereas, you guys know the offensive philosophy at Iowa, but the other thing going against Kittle during his time in Iowa City was he got nicked up a whole bunch. So that's why the NFL didn't know the full you know, extent of his skill package, whatnot, why he ended up falling down in the draft. But if George Kittle had gone to you know a school that, that threw all the time to the tight ends had never gotten dinged up in college, the evals are are basically the exact same. This is a pretty clean one. Well, now we know Iowa is tight end. You, I mean, how many guys do we have to see Amen. come out and just I mean, you know, crush <laughs> religiously yeah. from that school? Debro, what landing spot do you want to see Bowers go to? I mean, the Chargers are also, you know, one that you see every now and then. The Jets I've seen on a few mock drafts. Uh, You know, there's really like a number of different ones in that sort of late, you know, back half of the top 10, you know, maybe up through pick 15 or so that you see Bowers land in various mocks. Is there one particular landing spot you want to see him go? Yeah, Um, I think that if you're looking at him going in the top 10, the one that I want to see him go to and he could ascend in pretty quick order if it's not in his rookie season because of who's there, but in his second season. And if they get another quarterback of this other guy flames out, I want to see him go to Tennessee, man. Hmm. And that might not sound like the sexiest landing spot, but they need pass catchers. Their offensive line is abysmal. They need somebody because that's the other thing. Bowers can also help them in the blocking game and be an extension of the offensive line. So, He's going to help them in a, in a multitude of facets, both as a pass catcher and DeAndre Hopkins. We, I mean, we know he's aging and stuff. I'm not saying he's bad. He's still got juice left in the tank and stuff. But you tell me Brock Bowers walks into 2025 as being the guy, their number one wide receiver. Yeah, I'm totally with it. Will Levis needs help. That would that would provide some for sure. A lot. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Debro, you sent me a couple of extra names outside the top 15 that you thought were maybe worth hitting on. Uh, we are a little over time, so I'm going to give you 60 seconds to hit on all three of these guys. <laughs> Rapid fire style. Lad McConkey, wide receiver out of Georgia. Marshawn Lloyd, running back out of USC. Braylon Allen, running back out of Wisconsin. What do you got for me on those three? 
Vlad, uh, my comp for him is Danny Amendola. People hate that, and I don't really care. I'm old enough to remember when Danny Amendola almost caught 90 balls in his second season in the NFL. We just saw his his career got sidetracked by injuries and landing spot. Marshawn Lloyd is probably my favorite running back of this entire freaking class. I love him. I think he's going to go in the third round. I think that he runs mean. I think he's a tone setter. My comp for him is Trey Mason. I think Marshawn Lloyd is the slept-on three down back of this class and Braylon Allen last guy I'll mention here people are over going to overhype him and they're going to talk about it sadly enough for Braylon Allen he was just he's being airdropped into the wrong uh decade of the NFL you'd have put him in the mid 90s he'd have been a guy that had gone first or second round given 350 carries that's not going to happen in today's NFL so an early down committee and red zone guy my comp for him is Peyton Hillis Thor what's your comp on Talia Tagovailoa uh, it is, uh, it's, it's PJ Walker with less arm talent. <laughs> well, okay. less arm talent. He's got a ton of arm talent. What are you talking? And this is coming from <laughs> this barrack of mine. I, when I was a student at Maryland, I watched a backup fresh, true freshman linebacker as the fifth string quarterback, get in the game and throw to Stefan Diggs. So I have oh, yeah. been used to the worst possible quarterback play. So Talia is You're like the savior of all. That's all you just said. I'm I remember that. Yeah, the, and we had the Max Borton flogger era there. Uh, yep, I mean, yep. Maryland has had some true I, legends come I, through. I, I had one or two uh, Borton schlagers in my day as a college student. That's, that's what I'll say. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get out of here on that. Uh, by the way, if you've got any dynasty drafts on the horizon, our mock draft simulator tool is now open at fantasypros.com slash simulator. It's a fast and free way to practice for any kind of draft, including dynasty startup drafts and rookie drafts. Again, that's at fantasypros.com slash simulator. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us through a long show. Got through a ton of really useful comps, I think. For Debro and Thor, I'm Ryan Warmly. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. 